With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in to End Time News. I am your humbled host, W. Dean Shook, bringing you the news the mainstream media is never going to touch, and that's exactly what we're going to do today, because as of uh, probably two days ago, you can tune into any mainstream media, any alternative media, alternative radio, alternative television, everybody's talking about the same thing. Well, today, In Time News is staying with our mission statement to bring you the news and the mainstream media is not covering. And currently, the mainstream is filled with news about the debate of the Supreme Court decisions, the transatlantic partnership, the Obamacare, the ruling on gay marriage. If you want to hear that, then there's thousands, literally thousands of radio and television that's covering every single aspect of all of that. However... The whole time they're doing that, they've been avoiding the elephant in the room. And we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. And that is our economy. Because something is different now than it's been in the past. And let me tell you why. Ever since 2012, there's been thousands of blogs, thousands of YouTube videos. Everybody's talking about how the economy was going to collapse. Some people were saying it's going to collapse in six months. It's going to collapse this month. It's going to collapse by next year. And they were saying this back in 2012. And it never came about because the feds have been very good at uh, avoiding this by pumping more money into the economy and printing more money, keeping interest rates at zero. Well, this is about to change this fall. 
Now, I know that the Fed has said that they were going to raise interest rates just about every quarter for the last couple of years, but this time it's different. It's different because I think they're going to actually raise them this time. They're going to stop the quantitative easing, and I've got credible news stories from around the world about other governments that are just on the verge, the very tipping point of being in default and collapsing themselves. So what's going to happen if our dollar decreases in value or even leaves the market when these interest rate goes up and the dollar is exposed for what it is, fiat paper only money, what's going to happen? Well, you know, I read the Economic Collapse blog. This is uh, written by Michael Schneider. He's a he's an attorney who actually does a really good job about uh, keeping up on the news of a financial collapse. And let me make clear before we start this, that there's a difference between a financial collapse and a financial crash. A crash is quick. One day your money's there, two days later your money's gone. It crashed, boom, gone. A collapse is more like a leaky tire on your car, where it's just constantly leaking more and more. And the more it leaks, the flatter your tire gets until finally your tire is flat. Well... This is what we're talking about here. When we talk about a financial collapse, we're talking about the tire losing air until it finally goes flat. Our economy is just like this tire, and it's about to run over a nail that's going to make it completely flat. And here's why I say this, is because when I was reading the uh, Economic Collapse blog, Michael Snyder's blog, Michael did something that I've never seen him do before. He's issued a red alert about our economy. And he's predicting it for the last six months or so of 2015. Now, that may or may not happen. But because things have changed so significantly, I've seen this red alert. Michael doesn't usually do this kind of thing. So I said, well, I'm going to investigate this. Now, I'm dedicated here to bring you the truth. And if I can't confirm a story or do my own research and confirm something, I'm not going to bring it to you. That's our credibility, and that's very important. So I did some of my own research, and I started checking my sources uh, from around the world that are saying, oh, maybe there's something to this, something different than it's been since 2012, and virtually everybody and his brothers been predicting this collapse. Well, the elephant in the room is our economy. We're in the third round of quantitative easing. Why three rounds of it? Because the first two didn't work. So we're going to cover the current news from around the world, from major news sources, not just in America. We're going to show you that the world is in trouble, not just America. Major governments around the world, they're in big trouble. And I'm going to share these news stories from major outlets that's going to expose the economies, not only of America, but around the world for the shenanigans that they're pulling. Let me say this. We're going to start with a little discussion about the U.S. economy. Let's start with that, because at the moment, the dollar is the international currency. Uh, I think that's going to be short-lived, as uh, everybody seems to be gravitating toward China. So let me give you just one quick example. When an economy is healthy, money tends to circulate fairly rapidly. I buy something from you, then you take that money and buy from someone else. And in a stable and growing economy, people generally feel good about these things. They're not afraid to spend. But during hard times, the exact opposite happens. That's why the velocity of money almost always slows down during a recession. Well, the velocity of money has indeed gone down during every recession since 1960. 
once a recession is over, the velocity of money is supposed to go back up. But a funny thing happened. After the last recession ended, the velocity of money continued to go down. And it's now hit an all-time record low. Even the official government numbers are painting a picture of an economy that's deeply in trouble. Corporate profits have declined for two quarters in a row. U.S. exports plunged 7.6% during the first quarter of 2015. U.S. GDP contracted by almost one full percentage point during the first quarter, and factory orders have declined for the last six months in a row. Now, if the stock market was connected to reality, it would be going down. But instead, it just keeps going up. This is a classic case of an irrational financial bubble. Now, Mike Schneider said that if he were writing a book and wanted to include an example of what a run-up to a major financial crash looked like, it'd be hard to come up with anything more ideal than what we've watched unfold just in the last six months. The last six months have been different since 2008. Just about every pattern that's popped up prior to previous stock market crashes is happening again. Now, without a doubt, our financial markets are primed for this crash. Only two times has the S&P 500 been up more than 200% over a six-year time frame. The first was 1929. The stock market subsequently crashed. The second was in 2000 right before the dot-com bubble burst. And just about any measure you can possibly imagine, stocks are massively overvalued right now. Yale economist professor Robert Schiller is also deeply concerned. Here's what he said. I think that compared with history, U.S. stocks are overvalued. One way to assess this is by looking at the CAPE. This is a ratio that's created with John Campbell now at Harvard 25 years ago. The ratio is defined as the real stock price using the S&P Comstock Price Index deflated by the CPI. Now, divided by the 10-year average of real earnings per share, we have found this ratio to be a good predictor of subsequent stock market returns, especially over the long run. The CAPE ratio has recently been around 27 which is quite high for U.S. historical standards. The other times it's been this high or higher was in 1929, 2000, and 2007, all moments before the market crashes. Another one of these things that indicates that a financial bubble is happening at the level of marginal debt is whenever margin debt has gone over 2.25% of the GDP, a stock market crash always followed. And today, it's way above that level. There have been three major peaks in margin debt in modern U.S. history. One was just before the dot-com bubble burst. One was before the financial crisis of 2008. And the third is happening right now. Something else that we would expect to see prior to a financial crisis is decoupling of high-yield debt and stocks. This is something that happens just prior to the stock market crash of 2008. And that is happening again right now. Are you starting to get the picture? The smart money is beginning to pull their money out of stocks while they still can. According to USA Today, mutual fund investors have pulled more money out of stocks than they have put into stocks 16 weeks in a row. 
The last time domestic stock funds had positive cash net inflows was in this week, ending February 25th. According to the data from the Investment Company Institute, a mutual fund trade group, they said that in the week ending June 17th, the most recent data available, mutual funds that invest in the U.S. stocks suffered an outflow of $3.45 billion, according to the ICI. Since late February, U.S. stocks have suffered estimated outflows of nearly $55 billion. Those net withdrawals come despite the fact the benchmark standards of Poor's 500 hit a fresh record high of 2130 on May 21st. The Dow Jones Industrial Average notched a fresh notch in the record on May 19th. But it isn't just stocks that are going to crash during this next financial crisis. Bonds are going to crash as well. What we should be concerned about most are derivatives. Now, some of you know what derivatives are and some of you don't. Derivatives are going to play a starring role in the next major financial crisis. And I can't emphasize this enough. In fact, if you want to listen for just one word on the news that will let you know that things have started to unravel, just listen for the word derivatives. This form of legalized gambling is going to crash these two big-to-fail banks all over the planet during this next financial breakdown. The two big-to-fail banks in the U.S. alone have $278 trillion of total exposure to derivatives, but they only have $9.8 trillion in assets. Think about that. They have $278 trillion of total exposure to derivatives, legal gambling, even though they only have $9.8 trillion in total assets. To say that they're being reckless is a massive understatement. Ron Paul just released a new video where he warned all of us to prepare for a bear market in bonds. Carl Eichen says the financial markets are extremely overheated, especially high-yield bonds. Max Kaiser recently told Alex Jones that a great financial collapse is coming. Martin Armstrong says the economic confidence model predicts the Big Bang is coming in 2015. Jeff Berwick of the Dollar Vigilante says we're getting very, very, very close to the next crisis collapse. He's especially pointed to the month of September. James Howard Nussler has predicted the stocks are going to crater in Q3 as faith in paper and pixels erode. Lindsey Williams recently sent out an email alert where he warned that his elite friends have told him that they have worldwide financial collapse and it's going to be between September and the end of December of 2015. Bill Fekelstein has said that 2015 could be the year of the big accident. Ray Gano has stated that we'll see a financial collapse probably starting in the third quarter of 2015. I mean, this list just goes on and on and on and on. Now, just because these people say it, we know that that doesn't mean it's going to happen because people have been saying this since 2012. But this is different now. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you news stories from credible news agencies around the world that tell you how many places are really teetering and the little shenanigans that they're pulling to try to make their economy look better than it actually is. And when reality sets in, this is not just going to be a crash in the United States. This is going to be a global crash this time. Whether it happens before 2016 or after 2016, it's coming because we can't go on like this. 
We keep you connected to the signs of the times because I personally, as a Christian, believe that we are in the end times. And there are some people who are calling for a cashless society. They've been calling for that for quite a while. But a sufficient crisis hasn't happened to allow them to implement that. I don't know. This may be it. However, the United States is literally hurling toward trouble. What may be coming over the next few months, we need to be concerned. Something is coming. I don't know what and I don't know when, but we all have to be ready in every possible way. You know, Michael Schneider from the Economic Collect blog says, In my entire life, I have never had such an ominous feeling about any period of time as I have about the next six months of 2015. Like Rosenberg, he said, I feel a tremendous sense of urgency. I feel a great need to warn as many people as I can. And it isn't just a financial collapse that he's concerned about. In a previous article, he wrote seven keys that we're going to witness before the end of this September. The U.S. Supreme Court made their gay marriage decision. The gay marriage is a constitutional right in all 50 states. There are some that believe this will be a major turning point for our nation. And I'm sure that it won't be that alone, but that's definitely going to contribute to a major shift that's coming up. May 28th, Reuters reported that countries in the European Union were being given a two-month deadline to enact a bail-in legislation. Bail-in legislation. Any nation that does not have a bail-in legislation in place will face legal action from the European Commission. So why is the European Union in such a rush to get this done? Are the top dogs in the EU anticipating yet another great financial crisis about to erupt? Why are they pushing this so hard? You know, this coming September 13th, this is Eul 29 on the biblical calendar, the last day of the Shemitah year. A lot of people are concerned about this date because we've seen giant stock market crashes on the last day on the previous two Shemitah cycles. On September 17, 2001, which was Elul 29 on the biblical calendar, we've seen the greatest one-day stock market crash in U.S. history up until that time. The Dow plummeted 684 points. It was a record that held for exactly seven years, exactly seven years, until the end of the next Shemitah cycle. On September 29, 2008, which was also Elul 29 on the biblical calendar, the Dow fell by an astonishing, now get this, 777 points. And that's, I'm not making that up. 777 points, which still today remains the greatest one-day stock market crash of all time. Now we're approaching the end of another Shemitah year. So will the stock market crash on September 13, 2015? Well, no, because that day comes on a Sunday. So I guarantee you the stock market will not crash on that particular day. But, as Jonathan Kahn has pointed out in his book on the Shemitah, sometimes... Stock market crashes happen just before the end of the Shemitah year, and sometimes they happen within a few weeks after the end of the Shemitah. So we're not just looking at one particular date. On September 15th, the 70th session of UN General Assembly begins on this date. It's being reported that France plans to introduce a resolution that would give formal UN Security Council recognition to a Palestinian state. Up until now, the United States has always been the one blocking this kind of resolution. But Barack Obama is indicating 
things may be much different this time around, because despite what he says, we know how he feels about Israel. September 25th to September 27th. Coming up, the United Nations is going to launch a brand new sustainable development agenda for the entire planet. Some have called this Agenda 21 on steroids. But this new agenda is not just about the environment. It also includes provisions regarding economics, agriculture, education, and gender equality. And on September 25th, the Pope will travel to New York to give a major speech kicking off the UN conference with his new agenda, where he's going to reveal that. And I'm going to do at least a mention in the next show on that. We're going to discuss that because you're not going to believe who formulated this for him. We'll get to that on the next program. And on September 28th, this is the date for the last of the four blood moons that fall on biblical feast days during 2014-15. This blood moon falls on the very first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It will be a supermoon. It will actually be visible in the city of Jerusalem, and that's important. There's a lot of people that dismiss this entire blood moon phenomenon. But we've seen similar patterns before. For example, a similar pattern of eclipses happened before and just after the destruction of the Jewish temple by the Romans in 70 AD. So what comes next may lead us into the worst period of time in modern American history. And you know, I, I seriously hope that I'm wrong about this. But between Michael Schneider's research and my research and the news stories that I found that say that this time is different from the others, I hope this is not the time when we actually get this collapse. But if it is, I want you to be ready. I want you to be warned. We're going to come back in just a minute. And we're going to share these stories from these global outlets around the world and let you do the math because the listeners of this program are a little bit smarter than everybody else. And I want to make sure that I'm not throwing out a conspiracy theory. So with what we've just talked about and the news stories from around the world about other countries and how they're doing it, you decide for yourself. We'll be back right after this short break. You're listening to End Time News. Meet Uncle Sam. He has a lot of bills to pay. Almost $4 trillion worth every year. Uncle Sam's income is a little over $2 trillion per year. To make up the difference, the deficit, he does what most Americans do. He borrows money. When Uncle Sam takes out a loan, he calls it a bond. Bonds can be held by banks, investors, or even foreign governments. Uncle Sam has to promise to pay interest on these bonds, just as you do on any loan you take out. Ever think about paying your mortgage with your credit card? That's exactly what Uncle Sam does. He takes out new loans, new bonds, so that he can make payments on the old ones. All those loans, and especially all that interest, adds up. Right now, Uncle Sam owes about $14 trillion. To put that in perspective, $14 trillion is about the same as the national GDP, the total value of all the goods and services produced by the American economy in an entire year. It's such a huge amount of money that Uncle Sam is starting to run out of people to borrow from, and he's having trouble just paying the interest on his loans. The obvious solution would be to either cut spending or increase taxes. But if he cuts spending, the people that he's spending money on would complain that they don't have money to spend and that he was hurting the economy. 
If he tried to raise taxes enough to close this gap, not only would people definitely have less money to spend, he'd probably have riots on his hands. So Uncle Sam chooses the easy way to make money. Just make it. He calls up the Federal Reserve, which is our central bank, and, like magic, dollars are created and deposited in banks all around America. The problem is that the more of something there is, the less it's worth. Same goes for the U.S. dollar. The more dollars there are, the less each one will buy. That's why commodities like gasoline, food, and gold become more expensive when Uncle Sam does his money-making magic. The commodities aren't really worth more. Your money is just worth less. That's called inflation. Remember the foreign governments that lent money to Uncle Sam? When they lent money to the American government, something interesting happened. It made the U.S. look richer and their countries look poorer. When a country looks poor compared to America, one dollar of our money buys a lot of their money. So they can pay their workers only a few pennies a day. With such low labor costs, they can sell their products in America for lower prices than any American manufacturer can. The easiest way for American companies to compete is to move their factories overseas and pay their workers a few pennies a day too. This contributes to a recession. Americans lose their jobs, stop paying taxes, and start collecting government benefits like Medicaid and unemployment. This means that Uncle Sam has even less income and even more expenses. At the same time, the people who still have jobs are desperate to keep them, so they tend to do more work but not to get paid anymore. When your dollars are worth less and you're not earning more of them, that's called stagflation. And this is why Uncle Sam is in a catch-22. He can't raise taxes or cut spending without making the recession worse. And he can't have the Federal Reserve create more money without making inflation worse. For now, he can keep borrowing money, but since he can't even pay the interest on the loans he already has, it just makes his inevitable bankruptcy even worse. Whether it's in two months or two years, the day will come when Uncle Sam can no longer pay his bills. When that happens, the banks, investors, and foreign governments who are counting on that money won't be able to pay their bills. You see, just like Uncle Sam, governments, banks, and corporations don't actually have much money. Mostly, all they have is debt to each other. If one link in the debt chain stops paying, defaults, the whole thing falls apart. If investors can't pay their bills, corporations won't be able to pay their employees. If banks can't pay their bills, you won't be able to take out a loan, use a credit card, or even withdraw your savings. If foreign governments can't pay their bills, their own banks and corporations will have the same problems. That's called a global economic collapse. It's never happened before, so nobody really knows how bad it will be, how long it will last, or even how we'll eventually get out of it. The house of cards has already been built. There's no painless way to dismantle it now. All we can do is to educate each other about what's actually going on and to prepare for what may be very extraordinary circumstances. Do you think the media is biased? Maybe they're leaving something out or there's something they're not telling you. Now, you have a source for the truth in the news. W. Dean Shook, End Time News. Your connection to the signs of the times. 
there is a sense in the world. There's a sense among believers. There's a sense among unbelievers. There's a sense among all peoples that things are by hand. The Middle East is unhinged with uprisings, revolutions, and where is it, where is it heading? How are followers of Jesus to relate to all of these things? How do they relate to biblical prophecy? America is in spiritual moral crisis. Values are changing and so rapidly, I mean, that have not happened in the history of man. How are level-headed, responsible Christians to relate to the testimony of the biblical prophets and the unfolding of chaos throughout the world? Not just believers are wondering, is this a sign of the end? Globally, debt has become a burden which will in fact collapse nations. So today we will discuss how the bankers are now warning that the world is drowning in unpayable debt. You came here for the truth, so let me unveil that for you. I want to get into the debt today and discuss exactly why this is a very serious issue. Let's begin with Greece. Obviously, this is one nation that has suffered, particularly since the financial crisis, in this level of austerity never seen before. This is a project that they are in fact engaging in, that is the IMF, and it is working very well to take everything that Greece has. Greece to miss IMF payments amid fears of catastrophic Eurozone rupture. This article out of the Telegraph suggests that a Greek reversion to the drachma would be an irreversible disaster for the entire Euro project. There are two points that I want to mention right here. Number one is the fact that they do not necessarily need to return to the drachma. They could use an other currency, some alternate currency, perhaps the US dollar, perhaps the British pound, perhaps something else altogether. I will also note the fact that, yes, in the short term, there will be much turmoil within the EU and Europe in general, and that would probably be bullish for the U.S. and the U.S. dollar. But in the long term, or longer term, we could suggest, perhaps, that it would seem even stronger for the euro that they're willing to let the weak nations leave. To me, that seems like a much better idea. So, something to sit on. Let's look at this further into the article where we are seeing Greece will be unable to find the 1.6 billion euro sum it's due to hand the IMF next month, according to one of the country's ministers. The Greek state is due to hand over the money in four installments as part of its obligations for its 2011 bailout. This is what I predicted in my book, that they would receive not only one bailout, but a second bailout and more, and suggested that they will be unable, not just Greece, but the other nations, will be unable to pay back their loans that they have been given. Why? It's not a crystal ball. This is not a soothsayer. This is just reality. They set up the terms intentionally in order to never be paid back and to make it impossible for them to pay back. Why? Because they want the assets of that 
nation. They're doing so very successfully in Greece at the moment. I've covered this many times before. I want to move on to this and shift gears for a moment to look at Amazon, but this is just one example of many. Internet retailer Amazon.com's main German operating unit paid just 11.9 million euros in tax in 2014, despite the fact that they made 11.9 billion in sales to German customers last year. Think about that. They pay 11 million in tax and they have 11 billion in sales. What does that tell you about the elite? That they're able to pay whatever they want and they can get away with it. Yes, they use their loopholes. They're able to park that money overseas in these different nations like Luxembourg and so on where they're able to have this tax sheltering schemes and never have to pay a dime on it if they don't want to. This is what we have seen historically with GE. We have seen other instances of this. And there is no doubt in my mind that these nations are able to basically use their power, use all of their uh, real collective agreements here, their collusion with the government in order to not pay taxes and continue on with their corporate profits. In my book, I talked about how we are being taxed into poverty. Governments of the West are implementing regulations and taxes that are destroying businesses' ability to operate. This applies mostly to the small businesses, but even the big businesses are able to take this and essentially use it to actually increase their profits. Let me explain that in a moment. GE is moving its X-ray unit to China in order to increase their profits. 3M does its manufacturing in China and wants to expand it further. China's labor costs are so low it often makes more sense to make the products there and export them rather than produce the same goods in Europe or the U.S. for local consumption. Think about that for a second, where they want to purchase a particular item in the U.S., but instead of having their manufacturing here, having their sales here, having everything being done locally, where it would be basically traveling down the street in a truck, you have everything shipped overseas, all of what they need, all their ingenuity, in fact, bring it into China, open up shop there, charge what they need to, which is pennies on the dollar for the labor, and then you are able to ship it over halfway across the world, right back into these people's hands, the American hands, and that is in fact the way that they do business. It is very, very successful for them. So that's all I wanted to touch on for my book here, and also wanted to note this because we're on the topic of China. This is out of the AP China Ready's National Carbon Market to Fight Climate Change. We have seen what this whole cap and trade carbon emission schemes have done, and that is in fact to create corporate profits for those involved. A successful carbon offset or cap and trade market could play a big role a big part in cutting China's emissions and would help the world tackle global warming. All this does is take the factories that are polluting because of course if they're polluting or so they say polluting, they will in fact just have to pay money. They don't have to close up shop, they just have to pay money. 
So what do they do? They open up shop in a different country that doesn't have this system, whether or not that's China or Vietnam or Taiwan or Brazil or what have you. They don't have to abide by the same rules or they will pay less and they will just continue to pollute. All you do is take the manufacturing base away from the Western nations and moving move it in to these other nations. But guess what? The cap and trade systems, all of these carbon emission uh, markets that have opened up, some of them aren't doing very well as the one in this article, but they are able to profit from all of this system that is going on, and that's what this all comes down to. Getting into the big article here, where we are looking at the debt problem. HSBC fears the world recession with no lifeboats left. This is a very, very serious situation. They're looking at the business cycles becoming stretched, the inventories built up, and the companies defer spending tipping over at a certain point into self-feeding downturns. This is what happened in the financial crisis. We saw that ourselves, but now Stephen King from the HSBC is warning that the global authorities have alarmingly few tools to combat the next crunch, given that the interest rates are already zero across most of the developed world. Debt levels are at near or record highs, and there's little scope for fiscal stimulus. This is what I've been talking about now for years, suggesting to you that when they're at 0% interest rate, when the interest rates are actually moving negative territory in certain cases, you have the laws and regulations basically being stretched to the point where the individual citizen, the middle class, is basically being destroyed and the elite are making more profits than ever. We have this wealth inequality that has never been worse in history. They don't have anywhere to go. The world economy is sailing across the ocean without any lifeboats to use in case of emergency. But I would suggest even further that this boat has already begun to sunk. And that is the truth. Let's look at this further into another article out of the Telegraph. The world is drowning in debt, warns global, Goldman Sachs. Aging populations mean countries that piles risk growing out of control, warns the European head of Goldman Sachs Asset Management. This is a very good article, in fact, because you can put your mouse over the different nations to see their debt. But you can see graphically here the darker red is in fact the nations with the highest amount of debt. Europe being very high. You have Japan, you have the US and Canada and Brazil and other nations that are in high levels of debt that will in fact never be paid back. When you include all of the unfunded liabilities, it is an absolute joke. Let's look further on into this article where we see that the world is sinking in under too much debt and an aging population means the country's debt piles are in danger of growing out of control. There is no need to have any worry that the world is going to get any better anytime soon because we have the debt that is continuously piling up. The whole system is built to get worse. So we don't have to worry about which direction it's heading. We know it's heading downward. There is too much debt, and this represents a risk to economies. Consequently, there is a need to generate growth to work that debt off. But as the demographics change, new ways of thinking at a policy level are required to do this. Once again, things that I've talked about very often. So I'm going to move on to this last article. 
And just to note one simple thing, working to death in Japan, health warning over no overtime law. This is out of the AFP, I believe. And what we are seeing here is that the people have certain things in their lives. Perhaps they say, look, we have advanced medical care at this time. We have these pharmaceutical drugs that are saving people's life and these surgeries that are saving people's life. And we have our iPhones. We are interconnected where we can connect all across the world through FaceTime and Skype and everything. We have satellites orbiting the Earth taking pictures of everything. And we have all of these advancements that are supposedly helping us. But we're the most basic needs for our lives are in fact not the same as they once were. And this is just one very good example of that. These individuals here working their 9 to 5 jobs going well beyond that in fact. And they're working themselves literally to death in this system that has been built intentionally in a way that it basically profits the corporations. They can continue their corporate profits, get them to expand and expand, but the real citizens who are working at those corporations are suffering with their own lives. That's all I wanted to get to in this video. If you found it informative, please give me a thumbs up. I appreciate that very much. Much more to come here at The Money GPS. I have so much to get into, but just simply not enough time. But I'm Really, slowly but surely, when days that you don't see videos, those are the days I'm working on things behind the scenes. So trust me, there is much, much more to come. And just a little tidbit here, I am planning on doing the live Q&A. I assure you, I will let you know, try to give you as much notice as possible. I'm in the Eastern Time Zone in Toronto. So just to let you know that it will probably take place on a Friday evening, perhaps at like 8 or 9 p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone. But when, I'm not sure, but I will certainly let you know with an advanced warning. And last but not least, if you found this video informative, I know that you will find my book even more informative. I mean, you can actually flip through that. If you go to Amazon.com, they have a look inside feature where you can flip through the book and see if you like it for yourself. Take care. Now, you have a source for the truth in the news. W. Dean Shook, End Time News. Your connection to the signs of the times. All right, thank you for allowing me that break. I appreciate it very much. And let's start with uh, Warren Buffett. You know, Warren Buffett has been warning for a long time about these derivatives. He's come out with a new one. It says they are still a weapon of mass destruction. And they're likely to cause some big trouble after three years. The most famous investor in the world still believes that derivatives are a financial weapon of mass destruction. And you know what? He's exactly right. The next great global financial collapse that so many people are warning about is nearly on us, he says. When it arrives, derivatives are going to play a starring role. When many people hear the word derivatives... They tend to tune out because it's a word that sounds very complicated, and without a doubt, derivatives can be enormously complex. But what I try to do is to take complex subjects and break them down into simple terms. At their core, derivatives represent nothing more than legalized form of gambling. A derivative is essentially a bet that something either will or will not happen in the future. Ultimately, 
Someone will win money. Someone will lose money. There are hundreds of trillions of dollars worth of these bets floating around out there. One of these days, this gigantic bubble will pop again. And when it does, it will absolutely cripple the global financial market. According to the SHTF plan, top CEO warns of global reset. It's in the cards for sure. It could happen this year. Over the last several months, there have been enormous reports highlighting the frantic activities of the world's ultra-wealthy elite. From the purchasing of emergency hideaways and airstrips to warnings from their financial advisors that it's time to shift their assets, I said shift their assets, into, into physical holdings. Now this is important. Some of the richest people in the world are being told it's time to shift into physical holdings. It appears there's a lot of powerful people out there afraid of a significant shift that's set to take place in the near future. In a recent interview with Future Money Trends Keith Niemeyer, who recently penned a very public and very viral letter to the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, outlined the rampant manipulation by concentrations of shadowy market players taking place on commodities exchanges. He shares his insight on what many believe is a coming global reset. According to First Mining Finance Chairman Niemeyer, the day of reckoning may come a lot sooner than most people think. It's in the cards for sure, predicting exactly what it's going to mean or what it's going to look like. That's the big challenge. I think a lot of people are ignoring it, but there are some forward thinkers out there who talk about this. I think that the Chinese want their currency to be part of a floating currency. I think that the reality is going to be the next leg in this whole challenge is the reset going forward. It could even happen this year. And I've got some stories about China coming up here shortly, so pay attention to what he said. When this reset comes to pass, the manipulations so apparent in commodities and border stock markets today will be exposed. According to Nehemiah, it may lead to the biggest surge in precious metals we've ever seen. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, too. That's important. Echoing the forecast of one of the world's leading trend strategists, Gerald Salente, Nehemiah notes that the monetary system that takes hold after a global reset could result in gold rising to 3,000 an ounce or more. Such a move would have similar impact on silver, which may stabilize at its historic silver-to-gold ratio of 16 to 1, putting its strike price value somewhere above $150 an ounce, he says. Right now, you're running 10 ounces of silver for every 1 ounce of gold. So gold is trading at, let's say, 1200 That's about where it is today, at just about a little under 1200 so that would be $120 an ounce for silver if the ratio was 10 to 1. So I say silver should be, during this collapse, at close to $120 an ounce. The other key ratio is the ratio that's been common for 500 years. Sir Isaac Newton came up with the ratio of 16 to 1. That's how they created the pound sterling. And so there was a theory that there was, for every one ounce of gold, 16 ounces of silver in the Earth's crust. So using 16 to 1 at $1,200, it's somewhere around 80 to $90 an ounce. Silver should be trading, he said, in my view, somewhere around 80 to $120 an ounce. So imagine what happens 
when we see widespread crisis, a subsequent global reset of the financial, economic, and monetary systems, markets are so fragile that even something as simple as China publicly declaring that true gold holdings could spark the next bull run in precious metals. Well, let me share with you my personal story. This is not advice for anybody else. This is what I've done to prepare for this. And it's not just based on the story that I just shared with you. This is based on the fact that silver right now is at a historic low. As of today, the ask price is about a little under $16. The troy ounce price is at $16.75. These are historic lows. So if what he says actually comes to pass, and you bought one ounce of silver today at, say, $17, and silver actually does go between $80 and $120 an ounce, and you bought it today at $16.75, $17, that means you would make between $60 and $80 an ounce for every ounce you just bought. Now for this reason, and because silver is at a historic low, I personally have started buying silver. Currently, you can get around five pounds of silver for about the price of one and a half ounces of gold. So if you have five pounds of silver that you bought at $17 an ounce and it goes up to $80 an ounce, you're talking about $25,000 for a $2,000 investment. You could actually make money during a financial crisis and make good money. However, I am not a silver expert, but let me tell you what I've learned about silver. The traditional silver dollars, the peace dollar or the Morgan dollar, uh, 1920, 1921, even the ones from the 1800s. During a financial crisis and companies are buying silver, they're going to buy silver for the melt price. So these Morgans and these freedom dollars that are collector's items, you know, a Morgan silver dollar will go on eBay for Right now, 25 30 40 sometimes $50, depending on its condition. During a financial crisis, all they're going to pay is the melt price. So with a traditional American silver dollar, it's only 77% silver. So if you buy it, say, for $17, and the melt price for 77% silver is going to be about $12.50. So if you go out and buy silver dollars right now and think that you're going to make a big amount of money if you bought and sold today you would lose five dollars on every one of them the silver you want to buy has to be marked one troy ounce point nine 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 and it has to be fine silver it has to say fine silver that's when you're going to get full price for silver because the collection value on a Morgan or a Freedom Dollar or any of these old silver dollars is not going to matter. They're only going to pay melt price. And that's according to how much silver is in it. And the silver that's in these silver dollars is not fine silver. It's good silver, but it's not fine silver. Fine silver is silver that's been uh, refined to the point where it's quality pure silver. You're going to find this in bullion, either rounds or in the squares. And you can get them right now, today, as you're hearing my voice, you can get them for $17 an ounce. And you can buy them in any quality. You can go online. There's there's companies that sell them right online. That's, that's what I did. I went and bought online. And I bought only bullion that says .999 fine. Because that's going to bring you the maximum amount of dollars. So think about this. 
If you had 10 pounds of silver, right now that would be almost a $4,000 investment. But if it goes up to 80, 90, 100 dollars an ounce, you're going to make close to $50,000 on a $4,000 investment during a financial meltdown. And you know what? Even if the meltdown doesn't happen, silver is still low. It has nowhere to go but up. But if you have silver dollars, now don't get rid of those silver dollars. They still have good value, even if it's, the melt value is still better than face value. But if you're going to do it for investment, make sure that you get the one troy ounce, 0.999, and make sure it says fine. So let's move on. I just wanted to throw that in there. And I'm moving on this myself just because... At some point, our economy is going to crash. Even though they were saying it in 2012, 13, and 14, now we're in 15, they're still saying it. I'm telling you now that something's different than it has been for the last three, four years. This may be it. It may not. It may not come for another year. It may come in the next three months. We don't know. But when it does come, I plan on making some money on it. And not be one of these people who's in the riots trying to get into the store or somebody who has virtually no money. All right, let's move on. According to MarketWatch, activist investor Carl Icahn took to Twitter and CNBC Wednesday to issue a stark warning to investors. He said, I think the public is walking to a trap again as they did in 2007. Specifically, the 79-year-old investor warned of a bubble in high-yield debt. The prominent investor joins a chorus of voices pointing at frothiness in the so-called junk bond market, including double-line capital founder Jeff Gunlin. In two separate tweets published on Wednesday, Icon cautioned against listening to so-called permabulls, saying the 2008 crisis might have been avoided if more investors had warned about the risk of the bubble in 2007, as he's attempting to do now. This isn't the first time that Icon has sounded the alarm bells, though. In early May, Icon warned that when high-yield bond funds start coming down, it's going to be a great run to the exits. The sell-off may have already started. S&P Capital IQ reported that investors withdrew $2.9 billion from high-yield funds for the week ending June 17th, the biggest redemption in six weeks, on top of another $2.6 billion that pulled out three weeks before, just about a month ago. Double Line's Jeffrey Gundel also warned earlier this year that the interest rates are expected to rise. The quest for yield will cool down because that's what's driving a lot of investment activity. At a private event on May 5th in New York, he told investors to sell their high-yield bonds and buy treasuries as they prepare their portfolios for the first interest rate increase in nearly a decade that he's pretty sure is coming in September. Well, what about other places around the world? If you don't think the dollar means anything here in America, what does it mean to our friends overseas? Well, according to RT... Ukraine Finance Minister Natalie Jurasko doesn't rule out the country failing to make its $120 million coupon payment on July 20 day. Ukraine could theoretically default next month. As in May, the country's parliament adopted a law allowing a moratorium on foreign debt repayments. The law aims to protect Kiev from an attack by unscrupulous creditors. This echoed a forecast made by Goldman Sachs analyst Andrew Matheny on Wednesday. Ukraine will not make the July 24th coupon payment and, as a result, will enter into default at that point. 
We do not expect the ad hoc committee to accept Ukraine's latest reconstruction proposal, he said. This according to Bloomberg. Ukraine's prime minister also admitted Thursday his country is unable to pay the $40 billion debt that it's accumulated over the last three years. The total amount required to service key debts is equal to its military expenses, which make up 5% of the GDP, he added. Kiev is struggling to restructure its more than $50 billion debt, including $3 billion of bonds sold to Russia. Some estimates put the debt at $70 billion. The IMF says the bonds held by Russia could be treated as official rather than private debt. This, according to Bloomberg, citing sources, said if the $3 billion bonds are treated as Kiev's official debt, they would be extended for reconstructing. Well, what about out of China? Well, according to Breitbart News, China's debt bomb fuse is burning. From January through March, the Chinese economy suffered its first quarter of negative output growth in 2000, since 2009, despite official figures showing growth of 7% according to Lombard Street Research. Buried under crippling local government and corporate debt, the Red Dragon's current debt reconstruction plan amounts to little more than creative financial engineering. Sound familiar? Lombard believes that China still has the ability to address its nation's debt bomb, but the fuse is now burning. By Lombard estimates, China's non-financial debt reached 240% of GDP in 2014. Whew! while real after-inflation GDP growth averaged about 4.5%. Calculating the size of the nation's bad debt is impossible. Why? Because China banks simply roll over loans. In April, the China Central Bank actually cut the amount of cash that banks must hold as reserve twice in an effort to combat slowing growth. Lombard Street assumes an extreme scenario that China will have to double its public debt to 105% of GDP to bail out its banks. That would create an economy with an amount of unsustainable leverage similar to the U.S. and Europe. In 1999, China suffered credit downgrades. It looked like its Ponzi game of massive bank leveraging and selling products under cost would implode. But the economy was rescued in 2001 by the U.S. granting China permanent normal trade relations. That's the most favored nation status. This widely unbalanced trade deal caused a spectacular economic boom in China, with real growth rates averaging 14% per year through 2007. China's expansion came at the loss of six million U.S. manufacturing jobs over that same time period. China corporate debt since 2007 has risen by 50% to about 140% of their GDP. Corporate bank deposits have fallen from 90% to 60% of GDP. Despite having this huge amount of cash, Chinese corporate working capital is evaporating at an alarming rate. This indicates to Lombard that the banks are not making new cash loans, but rather just rolling over defaulted loans and interest payments. My friends, right now, China is in trouble. And according to the Business Insider, this is just from yesterday, 70% of Greek mortgages are not being paid. 
Now, we already know the economy in Greece is so bad, Greeks have stopped paying their personal and consumer debts and raising cash by selling family heirlooms, according to an astonishing article in the Financial Times. Here's the scariest quote. There's a real issue of moral hazard. Around 70% of reconstructed mortgage loans aren't being serviced because people think foreclosures will only be applied to big villa owners, one banker said. Greece had become an upside-down world where no one feels ashamed about not paying their debts. This according to the FT, because no one can pay their debts. There's a family that still owes a year's worth of school fees at a private international school where their daughter attends, which George admits is not a priority. He's no longer embarrassed by his inability to pay, he says, because so many other parents are in the same situation. At the same time, Consumers are pulling their cash out of Greek banks that fear that they will fail. Greece needs to make 1.5 billion euro payment by the IMF by the end of June. We'll see what happens there. Well, according to the Telegraph, Greek bank-run fears escalate as Eurozone ministers openly discuss capital controls. Pressure is mounting on the European Central Bank to keep Greece's failing banking system alive for another day. A tentative hopes Greece will finally get granted the bailout money it needs to avoid a debt default next week. The possibility of capital controls was raised at an aborted meeting of Eurozone finance ministers on Monday with Belgium's finance minister admitting to EU officials he had discussed the draconian measures to stop money bleeding out of the financial systems. And there were indeed different opinions. Not everyone was on the same wavelength with respect to capital controls. Germany's finance minister, Wolfgang Schäuble, is thought to have raised the possibility, which was roundly dismissed by Greek counterparts, that capital controls, such as deposit withdrawal limits, can only be imposed in a country at the request of a member of the state government of the EU. They were last seen in the Eurozone in 2013 during Cyprus's banking crisis, and the ECB threatened to pull the plug on the country's financial system. These remarks came as European leaders failed to agree on the deal to keep it in the Eurozone after two emergency summit meetings in Brussels on Monday. And here's a story from The Independent that says war has left Syria on the brink of financial collapse. Syria is heading toward an economic collapse after four years of war reported by the leading British think tanks. In a published report today, Chatham House says that the Syrian economy has reacted by over 50% in real terms. The Syrian economy has retracted by over 50% in real terms. The Syrian pound has lost 80% of its value, and inflation has averaged 51%. Outward migration of an estimated 250,000 deaths have been caused by Syria's population to fail by more than 15% from 21 million to 17.5 million, with a sharp drop in output in energy and manufacturing sectors. During the first half of 2015, the regime had shown increasing sign of strain on both the military and economic fronts, he said. 
This gives rise to the question as to whether a dramatic worsening of the economy would be the catalyst for the regime's military collapse or for an externally imposed political settlement against Assad's wishes. Well, I guess we kind of figured that Syria was going to be in financial trouble. But according to Bloomberg Business, major money managers are bracing for this bond market collapse. Bloomberg says TCW Group is now taking the possibility of a bond market sell-off seriously. So seriously that the LA-based money manager, which oversees almost $140 billion of U.S. debt, has been accumulating more and more cash in its credit funds, with the proportion rising to the highest since the 2008 crisis. They must know something He said, we've never realized what the tipping point is until after it happens. This according to Jerry Cazell, the TCW Group head of U.S. credit trading. He said, we are as defensive as we've been since the pre-crisis. TCW isn't alone. Bond funds are holding about 8% of their assets as cash-like securities, the highest portion since 1999, according to FTN Financial. The reasoning is the Federal Reserve is moving toward its first interest rate increase in 2006. And the end of the record, monetary stimulus will rattle the herds of investors who poured cash into risky debt to try to get some kind of yield. The shift in policy comes amid a global backdrop that's not exactly rosy. The Chinese economy is slowing. The outlook for developing nation is cloudy. The tone of Greece's bailout talks changed daily. And of course, U.S. central banks are aiming to gently wean markets and companies off zero interest rate policies. In this ideal scenario, borrowing costs would rise slow and steady. Debt investors would calmly absorb losses and corporate America would easily adjust to the debt that's a little less cheap amid a growing, improving economy. That outcome seems less and less likely. As volatility in the bond market climbs, if you distort markets for long periods of time, then you remove those distortions, you're subject to unanticipated volatility. Record low yields have prompted investors to pile into the same types of risky investments. So it may even be more painful to get out with few potential buyers able to absorb this mass selling. Well, and according to The Telegraph, They say it's time to hold physical cash, this according to Britain's most senior fund managers. The managers of one of Britain's largest bond funds has urged investors to keep cash under your mattress. Ian Spreadbury, who invests more than £4 billion of investors' money across a handful of bond funds for fidelity, including the flagship money builder Income Fund, is concerned that a systematic event could rock the markets, possibly similar in magnitude to the financial crisis of 2008, which began in Britain with a run on the Northern Rock. Systematic risk in the system and in investors, you have to be aware of that, he told the Telegraph. The best strategy to deal with this, he said, is for investors to spread their money widely into different assets, including gold and silver, as well as cash and savings accounts. But he went further, suggesting it was wise to hold some physical cash, an unusual suggestion from a mainstream fund manager. His concern is that global debt, particularly mortgage debt, 
has been pumped up the record levels. He pointed out that savers in a bank are only covered up to 85,000 pounds per bank under the financial system's compensation scheme, which is effectively unfunded. That the government has said it will not secure banks in the future, hence his suggestion that some money should be held in physical cash, and this is, of course, in the UK. He declined to predict exact triggers, but said it was more likely to happen in the next five years or so. Maybe sooner, the current woes of Greece, which may crash out of the euro, already has many market watchers concerned. Mr. Spreadbury's views are timely, aside from Greece, a growing number of professional investors and commentators are expressing their unease about what happens next. The price of nearly all assets, property, shares, bonds have been rising for years. House prices have risen by 26% since the start of 2009. But then there's the shock event. Daily Telegraph columnist Jeremy Warner also captured some of the concerns this week when he wrote that the trigger for an inevitable correction could come from a clear blue sky, completely unanticipated event. Folks, we need to be ready. So the reason I'm sharing all these stories with you is because I want you to understand a full picture of the global scope of our financial problems. And it's probably going to be like a domino effect. Are there people in our government? in our financial system, that know that this is coming and they're preparing. Well, I want to share something with you from Dave Hodges of the DC Clothesline, which I found very interesting. This applies to us here in America. It says to avoid prison, you must hear this before taking your money out of the bank. Dave explains that if you walk up to your friendly teller and ask to withdraw all or most of your money, you'll either be shown the door or arrested for violating federal banking laws. Yes, it's now a crime to take your own money out of your own bank account. Just ask former Speaker of the House Dennis Hassert, who's been indicted for taking his money out of his bank account. Federal prosecutors have charged a former Republican House Speaker Dennis Haster with illegally structuring cash withdrawals from bank accounts which were designed to conceal payments to someone he committed prior misconduct against. Now, he's not in trouble for the prior misconduct. He's in trouble for, well, I'll explain. A total of $3.5 million was involved in paying hush money for these quote-unquote prior misconducts. According to the prosecutors, the important point to consider here is that the former congressman is not headed to prison for sex with a minor or facilitating a bribe. He's headed to prison for taking his own money out of his own bank account. Taking what was your money out of the bank is no longer a matter of walking up to your friendly teller and with a withdrawal slip and explain to the teller cheerfully honors your request and you calmly exit the bank with your money in tow. In fact, your teller is trained to look for certain indicators in any cash withdrawal of any significance from anyone, anyone, as you move to withdraw your money. There are three federal banking laws that you should be aware of, namely Cash Transaction Report. That's a CTR, Cash Transaction Report. And the other one is a Suspicious Activity Report, SAR. Suspicious Activity Report. Now, before you proceed with a planned withdrawal of your money, you need to hear the federal guidelines 
as it relates to CTRs as produced by the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. First is the CTR. Federal law requires that the bank file a report based on any withdrawal or deposit of $10,000 or more of any single given day. The law was designed to put a damper on money laundering, sophisticated counterfeiting, and other federal crimes. But to remain in compliance with the law, financial institutions must obtain personal identification, information about the transaction, and the social security number of the person conducting the transaction. Technically, there is no federal law prohibiting the use of large amounts of cash. However, a CTR must be filed in all cases of cash transactions regardless of the reason underlying the transaction. This means your cash transaction will be on the radar. Then there's structuring, an SAR, that's a suspicious activity report. There will undoubtedly be some geniuses whose math ability will tell them that all they have to do is withdraw $9,999.99 and the bank and its protector, the federal government, will be none the wiser, but that's not quite that simple. There's a few examples of structuring violations that you need to be aware of. Let me tell you a story here. Barry S. has obtained $15,000 in cash that he obtained from selling his truck. He knows that if he deposits $15,000 in cash, his financial institution will be required to file a CTR. Instead, he deposits 7500 in cash in the morning with one financial institution employee, comes back to the financial institution later in the day to another employee to deposit the remaining 7500 hoping to evade the CTR report requirement. Barry should have used multiple accounts to conduct his transaction because that's against the law. Another lady needs $16,000 in cash to pay for supplies for her arts and crafts business. So she cashes an $8,000 personal check at a financial institution on Monday. She subsequently cashes another $8,000 personal check at the bank the following day. And she's careful to have cashed the two checks on different days and structured the transaction in an attempt to evade the CTR reporting requirement. But she should have made irregular deposits on staggered days covering a significant period of time or better, she should have converted her soon worthless cash to precious metals. Because structuring your money that way is against the law and will generate a suspicious activity report. A married couple sell a vehicle for $12,000 in cash. To evade the CTR reporting, they structure their transaction using different accounts. One person deposits $8,000 of their money into his account and another $8,000 into a joint account later that day. Well, they should have used multiple banks because the aggregate total of the three transactions totals more than $10,000, and that's the threshold. Therefore, a suspicious activity report would be filed by the bank, and you would be the subject of a federal investigation of all three of the above cases clearly violate the federal banking laws related to structuring. It's a federal crime to break up your transactions into smaller amounts for the purpose of evading the CTR requirement. In these instances, the bank is required to file a suspicious activity report 
which serves to notify the federal government of an individual's attempt to structure deposits or withdrawals by circumventing the $10,000 report requirement. Structuring transactions to prevent a CTR from being reported can result in imprisonment for not more than five years and a fine of up to $250,000 if structuring involves more than $100,000 in a 12-month period or if it's performed while violating another law of the federal government. The penalty then is doubled. This is what former Speaker of the House Dennis Hassard is facing. Then there's enforcement. Much like the enforcement of our tax laws, the federal government's enforcement of its banking laws when it comes to CTRs or SARs or subsequent structures is very draconian. Now get this, civilian asset forfeiture laws come into play. The government can seize your bank account while it determines if a crime has been committed. The government can literally seize your assets Without an order of the court, of course, you could try to sue, but you'll be up against the deepest pockets in the federal government. And in a lot of cases, people go to jail and, and pay huge fines, not because they've committed a federal crime, but because a federal official says that they lied or misled them. So if you don't have an attorney present, when these feds are questioning about what you did, they can say whatever they want and you can go to prison. It's your word versus the federal government. This is how federal government sent Martha Stewart to prison and Haster is facing the same kind of charges. And it even goes deeper than this. There are now some banks demanding customers account for withdrawals and deposits before offering them a mortgage. And that this information is being sent to the IRS. Economist Martin Armstrong writes this. My sister just bought a house, and to get the mortgage, she had to explain every deposit and cash withdrawal in her account going back five years. She said my mother had simply written her a check for $400 to reimburse her for picking up some medicines. They wanted her to explain why my mother gave her $400, adding that his sister was also grilled on a $2,000 withdrawal every few months to pay for incidental purchases. Another of Armstrong's friends, who shared an apartment with his girlfriend, was also forced to account for five and a half years worth of rent checks he had written before they could get a mortgage together. It's no longer enough that you pay your taxes. Now they want to know who you're giving your money to, right down to 50 bucks. The details are also reportedly being passed on to the IRS and those who fail to account for payments being subject to five years in jail. If you cannot account for those five years of checks that you've written and received, deposited, and withdrawal, you could go to jail. This is under the pretense of terrorism, whereby they have to know where every penny goes, according to Armstrong, who's best known for his predicting the 1987 Black Monday crash, as well as the 1998 Russian financial collapse. This is not applying a new law with notice that from this date forward, you have to keep track of everything you do with everyone else. And all of this is being applied retroactively. 
the financial elite are currently attempting to oppose a new capital control on the middle class under the justification of preventing tax fraud and the financing of terrorism, including the idea of banning cash altogether, which has already been picked up by mainstream in countries like Denmark and Sweden. Influential voices across the spectrum have repeatedly invoked the need to ban cash in recent weeks, including former Bank of England economist Jim Levis, who penned an article for the London Telegraph last month where he said a cashless society would only be achieved by forcing everyone to spend only by electronic means from an account that's held by a government-run bank, which would be monitored or even directly controlled by the government. Banks in the United States and the United Kingdom have also intensified policies to treat the deposits and withdrawals of relatively large amounts of cash as suspicious activity. In France, new measures are also set to come into force in September, which will restrict French citizens from making cash payments over a thousand euros. So why is our government so interested in controlling our money and how we have access to it? They say it's to control terrorism funding. The average citizen who's withdrawing and depositing money is not funding terrorism. So as we move toward the second half of 2015, signs of financial turmoil are appearing all over the globe. In Greece, a full-blown bank run is happening right now. Approximately 2 billion euros were pulled out of Greece banks in just the past three days. Barclays says the capital controls are imminent. Unless a debt deal is struck, there are reports that preparations are being made for a bank holiday in Greece. Meanwhile, Chinese stocks are absolutely crashing. The Shanghai Composite Index was down more than 13% this last week alone. There was the largest one-week decline since the collapse of Lehman Brothers. In the U.S., stocks aren't crashing yet, but we just witnessed one of the largest one-week outflows of capital from the bond market that we've ever witnessed. Slowly but surely, we're starting to see the smart money head for the exits. As one Swedish fund manager put it recently, Everyone wants to avoid being caught on the wrong side of the market once the herd realizes stocks are overvalued. I don't think most people understand how serious things have gotten already. You know, in Greece, so much money has been pulled out of the banks. The European Central Bank admits the Greek banks may not be able to open next Monday. The European Central Bank told a meeting of Eurozone finance ministers on Thursday that it was not sure if Greek banks which would have been suffering large daily deposit outflows, would be able to open all over social media. People are sharing photos of long lines at Greek ATMs. EU President Donald Tusk has delivered an ultimatum to Greece claiming the country must accept an offer or default. At the carnage began last night in China, we noted the extreme levels of volatility in the major indices had experienced in recent weeks. Under normal circumstances, numbers like these would be reason for a full-blown financial panic over in Asia, but these are not normal times. Even with these losses, stock prices in China are still massively overinflated. For example, USA Today is reporting the median stock over in China is trading at 95 times its earnings. 
Yes, this financial bubble has persisted far too long. It is eventually going to burst. Are you going to be ready? And you know what they say, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. When this gigantic financial bubble finally does implode, it's going to be absolutely horrifying. The entire planet's going to be shocked by the carnage. I hope that you'll be ready. Remember, silver is at an all-time low now, and it could quadruple in price. You could actually make money in the coming financial collapse if you can even possibly afford to buy silver. Most people can't even afford to keep food on the table for their families. Both parents have to work just to make the bills. But if you have the ability, I'm not just advising you to buy silver and wait for it to go up. I'm doing it myself. So thank you for joining me. I appreciate everybody listening to this. And you can download the End Time News Radio app for your iPhone or your Android at Google Play or on the iStore. It's absolutely free. Or you can come to the website at wdeanshook.com. There's a link for the End Time News Radio app right there on the webpage. And as usual, when the dust settles and the smoke clears, I'll be back with more Truth in the News. Thank you. You can get these full stories and more at WDeanshook.com. That's WDeanshook.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.